I'm a father. I don't feel prepared for this. I guess nobody ever does. No matter how much I want to spare my kids the pain of life, they'll want to find their own way and make their own decisions. I struggle knowing when to hold them tight and when to let go. I try to teach and guide my children firmly but lovingly. I fall short again and again. I'll either be too harsh or too lenient, too controlling or too permissive. Sometimes I know I should say something, but I'm just so tired of fighting. Even though I said I never would, I think I'm repeating some of the same mistakes my dad made or overcompensating and causing just as much damage, trying to be the opposite of the man who fathered me. I want to be there for my kids and I want to provide them the life I never had. I'm just not sure how to do that. How can I be present and provide at the same time? I know God calls himself a father to me. <laughs> There's probably something to that, some clue or pattern to follow. But sometimes I struggle to see it and connect the dots from him to me. I just want to be a good dad. All right, well, good evening, Generation Church. Good to be with you at the 5.45 p.m. Yes, we saved the best for last, and God saved my voice so I could preach to you tonight. Hey, I uh, wanted to remind all the men in the room, this upcoming Wednesday night at 7 p.m. is our next men's night. Uh, and I want to invite you all to it. We're having this one at each of the campuses. So whatever campus you normally go to, go to that campus. For most of you, that's probably here in Mesa. If you're watching online, whatever campus you normally go to, 7 p.m. Wednesday night. It's for the men of Generation Church. So you need to be there if you're a man who goes to Generation Church, if at all possible. And listen, the way my philosophy for men's uh, ministry is this, um, it's not kids' ministry. So I'm not trying to woo you there with prizes and snacks and treats. That's what we do at kids ministry. Men do the right thing just because it's the right thing. So we're not going to have flamethrowers and monster trucks and midgets mud wrestling. Just come because you want to be sharpened and built up. Uh, you probably don't even realize how much you need it. You don't realize how much other men need you to be there. So be there at seven, be on time, eat yourself before you come, and then be ready to be built up and sharpened. We got some good stuff planned for this one. We're gonna have a special quick segment called Five Power Tools Every Man Needs to Own. And then I'm gonna teach a little bit on how to make Christian friends, uh, which is something I think all guys want friends, but they're not always sure how to do that as an adult. So you need to be there if you're a man. Uh, it'll be really good for you. Uh, so let me just do a little recap on what we've covered in this series so far. Week one, we talked about how God made man in his own image and likeness and said it was very good. So you were made in the image of God. You didn't come from a monkey. You didn't come from goo. You were created by God and you reflect God. God made them male and he made them female. And nobody was confused about who was who. He said, it's very good. And he told Adam and Eve, he blessed them. He said, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Uh, and he gave them a purpose. But because Adam was passive, he stood by and watched while his wife Eve was deceived by the serpent. And the curse of sin entered the world. That's why we struggle as humans. That's why we struggle with sin and death. And, and we rebel against God because we have a sinful nature we inherited from Adam, the first man. Uh, but thank God that through Jesus we can be restored to him in relationship and you can be restored to your original purpose. You can multiply and make disciples. You can fill the earth with the glory of God's name. So you can do what you were created to do in the first place. Week two, we said, act like men. Uh, there's a way that men should act. It's not like a woman, not like a boy, not like an animal, but a man, because you're a man. It says in act, uh, 1 Corinthians 16, be watchful, Stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong, and let all that you do be done in love. So act like that, men. And then last week we said, 
what it looks like to be a loving husband and how a loving husband has a flourishing wife. A loving husband's wife is getting stronger and more confident and more beautiful as she's growing in wisdom. So, men, listen, if you don't really like the wife you have, you need to make a change. But not with her. You need to make a change with you and your leadership. If you would say, my wife's a pain, you made her that way. So you need to look in the mirror and change some things. A godly husband who loves his wife well leads his wife. He leads her to church. He says, we will serve the Lord. We're going to church. And then when he comes to church, he leads her at church. So you don't just sit there and just like passively watch. Remember, men aren't passive. They're active. He leads her at church. So he leads the way in worship. You don't want to get out-worshipped by your wife. That's like getting out bench pressed by your wife. It's not cool. And then you want to lead her in prayer. So you just grab her hands and say, let's pray. Try to do it every day. Just keep it short. Uh, Just lead the way in that. And then you also want to lead her putting God, number one, in your family. You want to establish God as the ultimate head of your household. So men, you're the head of your house, but then God is the ultimate head of your house. And the way you establish that for your wife is by tithing and you lead your wife in tithing. You don't make her set it up, you set it up. You establish it as a priority. That's how you make God number one. You can say God is number one in your life, but your wallet shows if you really mean it or not. Today's a big week. We're gonna talk today and next week about what it means to be a good father. And I think this will be a really important sermon for everyone in our church, men, women alike. So first, what we're going to do is we're going to talk back uh, and reflect on your father. And I think for some of you, that could be really emotional and cause a lot of feelings to come up, and that's okay. Um, This could also uh, cause you to reflect a lot on how you've done as a father and Uh, Whether you've done a good job or a bad job up until this point, I want you to understand that the Lord wants to bring healing to your life tonight. And he wants to help you to grow, and uh, he loves you through that process as you grow. So first, when I'm, uh, as I'm starting off here, I want to give credit to a few people uh, with this message. First, Mark Driscoll. I pulled a lot of content from him. He's done a lot of good work in this area, talking about fathers and father wounds. Uh, and then he's, he's a good friend of mine. I love him. And then Intentional Father is a book by John Tyson. Uh, this is a good book I recommend, The Intentional Father. You could check it out. Uh, a lot of guys spend more time researching their fantasy football lineup than they do trying to figure out how to actually be a good father. And so don't be that guy who's like, I don't really read books. You, you read stuff that you care about. Uh, and thank God for audiobooks. Amen. So check this book out, The Intentional Father. And in his book, he categorizes five types of fathers. Uh, let's talk about it. The first is the irresponsible father. This guy might have been just a sperm donor. He may have just abandoned his family. Maybe you had a dad like this. He just wasn't even in the picture. Maybe he got arrested, wasn't even in your life. Maybe he left your family for another family. He was totally irresponsible. The next type of father is the ignorant father. This guy has no idea what he's doing. He has no idea how to raise kids, doesn't even try to figure it out, has no idea what's going on around him in his own family or how his actions affect those around him. Then there's the inconsistent father. He's in and he's out, he's hot and he's cold. Uh, Maybe he literally comes and goes from his kid's life. It could be this is the guy who is torn between career and the calling to raise his kids. It could be this guy's not always in his kid's life because of divorce, and his kids have to split time. This guy, he'll be away for a long time, and then when he does come around, he tries to make up for it by spoiling his kids like Santa Claus, or smothering them, and then he leaves again. Then there's another type of father. The fourth type of father is the involved father. And generally, this is a pretty good dad. If you had a dad like this, you were way ahead of most people in this world. By the world's standards, he's doing great. This is the dad. He's present in his kids' lives. He goes to their games. He teaches them how to drive. He gives them the sex talk. But he does leave some things to be desired. He kind of is more reactive to what's going on around him and 
he tends to think more about himself than his kids. So he'll think things like this, like, well, my dad never did this for me, so I want to make sure I do this for my kids. And doesn't really consider if this is what his kids need. He tends to just do it his way without actually thinking about his kids and what they specifically need. So we want to aspire to an even higher level than this. We want to be the intentional father. We want to be intentional in how we raise our kids. If you're a woman, you can be an intentional mother too. But the intentional father is proactive. He actually has a vision and a plan to lead his kids to Jesus. Not reactive to what happens, but proactive. Like he's actually making it happen. He knows, I'm raising up boys who are likely to turn out like me. And I'm raising up girls who are likely to marry someone like me. So I need to actually lead them to the father's house. I need to teach them what it looks like to live for the Lord. I need to model by example how to follow Christ. Uh, This dad is intentional. So he actually thinks about what each individual kid needs. It's not just, well, this is the way I do it, but but he has an overarching strategy and values that might stay the same, yet he caters his approach to each individual kid based on their personality and what they need. So he might know, you know, like she needs me to love her this way, but he needs me to love him this way. And and this one, he needs more discipline for sure. But this one, all I have to do is look at her and, you know, she's like, I'm sorry, right? So like he's intentional and he actually cares and pays attention to his kids and what they need. So first... Let's reflect back. Think about your father you had, and maybe still have. What kind of father did you have? Maybe you never really thought about it. Like, well, I never really really thought about it like that. I guess good things in my life. There were bad things in my life. I guess I had a good dad. And maybe you love your dad, and I'm not trying to take anything away from that tonight. But there are some of you, it could be, Uh, that you feel that is disrespectful or wrong or ungrateful to even consider that your father had shortcomings. It's natural for us to want to excuse bad behavior because it hurts to acknowledge that there are ways that our fathers failed us, even if he was your hero or a really good guy. On the other hand, there are those of you who had a terrible father. Maybe he was abusive or he abandoned you and you still carry those scars. We see examples of bad fathers all throughout the Bible. You go back to Genesis and we see Adam. One of his sons murdered the other son. Like where was he when that was going down? Think about this. You feel like some days you're not doing a very good job as a parent. Adam was 50-50 on raising murderers. It's not great. Then Noah, yeah, he built an ark and that was cool, but then he turned into a drunk and embarrassed his kids. Isaac played favorites. Like this guy actually had favorites and it messed his other kids up and caused drama. Eli, his sons were going wild. It was like boys gone wild up in there and he wouldn't restrain them. So God cursed his household. Then you have Saul cursed his son, Jonathan, and threw a spear at him at dinner. You know, you you might have times you feel like, I kind of blew it today, but you probably didn't throw a spear at your kids, did you? You might have thrown something, but it wasn't a spear. Then there was David. At one point, he was furious at his son Absalom, and he refused to even talk to him for two years until his son eventually led a coup against him and tried to kill him. You don't try to kill your dad unless you have daddy issues, that's for sure. His son Absalom ended up dead. When you look at the Bible, there are so many examples, one after another, of human fathers failing their children. So I think you'd be hard-pressed to find a father who never sinned against his kids through an act of commission, something he did, or omission, something he didn't do that he should have done. So a lot of you would say, you know, well, yeah, I had a pretty good dad, but I really wish he would have done this, or I really wish he wouldn't have done that. Maybe he was kind, but he wasn't affirming with his words. Or maybe he was generous with gifts, but he wasn't generous with his time. And that's what you really wanted was more time with him. Or maybe he was around, but he didn't really do well with serious conversations or emotions. So if you had an actual struggle in your life, he was just Mr. Jokes. And he had to pass you off to mom for the girl stuff. Then there are some dads that are pretty good dudes. Maybe they're even Christians, but they never teach their own kids 
how to find and follow the Lord, how to worship the Lord, so their kids are never discipled by their dad. Fathers, you need to understand this, that leading your kids to God is much more important than just attending some of their games. You need to actually lead them to the Lord. And I heard too many parents saying things like, well, I'm not trying to force them. Well, I don't, I don't want to tell them what to believe. They need to figure it out on their own. No, 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 no. We're talking about life or death, heaven or hell, right? It is vital that you lead your kids to the Lord and the truth in this crazy world. Your kids don't need a cool dad. Maybe you are one. They don't really need a fun dad. I hope you are one. What they really need is an intentional father who disciples them. So I'm not, I don't want you to worry. I'm not trying to set you up tonight to blame all your problems on your parents. I don't want you to see yourself as a victim and make excuses for your own shortcoming by blaming your parents. I'm not trying to raise up a bunch of snowflake blame shifters here tonight. If you know me, you know I wouldn't do that. We said in this series that boys blame other people for their problems, but men take responsibility and do what's right. So regardless of how you were treated, good or bad, maybe there's a long line in your family tree of bad fathers. You can break that generational pattern of pain and become a bold man of God. Maybe some of you will be the first good father in your entire family tree. And with God's help, that's possible. But you cannot break a pattern until you recognize it and how it hurt you. So how did your father wound you? Either through commission or omission, what he did or what he didn't do. I asked this question on Instagram this week. I got more responses than anything else I've ever posted, ever. People said, he abandoned me, he abused me, he was emotionally distant, he was angry or harsh, he never taught me about God, never showed us love, never protected me, he didn't give me an example of what a good father or husband looked like, made me feel invisible. Some of you would say, you know, dad was around, but he was so weak and so consumed with his own problems that I couldn't bring my struggles to him, I had to carry them myself as a child, and it gave me anxiety and it burdened me. Bad fathers create broken children. And unless God intervenes, those broken children will grow up to be broken fathers themselves, broken mothers, broken people. One study showed that 90% of female porn stars were sexually abused as children. It really takes the luster out of porn, doesn't it? One viral tweet girl said, Shout out to my dad for being the first perfect example of what kind of man I don't ever want to end up with. How sad would it be if that was your legacy? Dr. Anthony Bradley shared these stats. He said 85% of youth in prison come from fatherless homes. 71% of high school dropouts. 90% of homeless and runaway kids. 60% of youth suicides are from fatherless homes. Dad wasn't in the picture. Dads matter. Dads do something for their kids that the government can do, that teachers can do, that coaches can do. Kids need their dads. And some people might struggle with this. They might struggle to pinpoint it or they might struggle to accept it. You have to sometimes really think about it and reflect on on this. Maybe you even have hard feelings towards your dad, but you haven't really pinpointed why that is. One person told me, you know, he did tell me he was proud of me, but it was only if I did something good. So I, I developed a performance-based sense of self-worth. One person said, you know, my dad was around, but, but he was so strict and I always felt like I was disappointing him. And then there are, there are people who push back against this. Like, they, they don't like where I'm going with this so far. They're like, no, my dad, he did the best he could. And I would say, really? Did he really? Because, like, he was a human being. And, and it's cool that you want to give him the benefit of the doubt. I'm not saying we should resent our parents and focus on their shortcomings. It's good to want to focus more on the good than the bad. But, but I think some people go into denial about their parents' shortcomings. Sometimes that's because it hurts to think about. But there are some people who I think go into denial about this so that they can live in denial over their own shortcomings. 
Because maybe they know they're not doing the best they could as a parent, but they want to excuse it. And they say, well, I'm doing the best I can. And it's like, no, you're not. Because I know I'm not. We're humans. We all come up short. There's the day where I get down and I play with my daughter and I, I show her affection. And I pay attention to her and I give her my love for 20 minutes. But why not 25 why not 30? Did I really need to watch another episode of TV? Why couldn't I play with her longer? See, like none of us do the best we possibly could. Every earthly father will fail his children. And accepting that is the first step to being a good father. Some of you told me, you know, I know my dad wasn't perfect, but he was a good dad. And I do think it's important to appreciate the good but we've also got to recognize the bad. It's important to identify the pain that was caused you by your father, not so that you can use it as an excuse or dwell on it or see yourself as a victim, but so that you can bring it to God and find healing. Because listen to this, whatever pain that's not transformed is transferred. Whatever pain you don't let God transform, you will eventually transfer to your children. Either you'll repeat a pattern that you saw. Like, well, my dad's dad was an alcoholic and my dad was an alcoholic. And so I learned growing up that the way to deal with stress and anxiety was to drink my problems away. Maybe you'll repeat a pattern. My grandpa left his family. My dad left our family. And I said I never would, but sometimes I feel like running away from my family's problems too. Or you'll hurt your family by going so far the opposite direction, trying to be the opposite of who your dad was and overcompensating, hurting them on accident the other way. Like, you know, the person who's like, you know, my dad was so harsh and mean, so I'm going to try to be like a really nice guy. And then you accidentally give your kids a buddy instead of a father. Or maybe you say, my dad was super strict and religious and I don't want that for my kids, so... I'm going to let them figure it out on their own. I know some people said, my dad was so religious, but then he was a hypocrite in the home. And so I don't even want to talk to my kids about God. Or people say, you know, my dad was always gone, so I'm going to be involved in everything they do. And then you become a helicopter parent. <laughs> see, like, you see, it's like one way or another, if you don't let God heal the pain, that pain will get transferred to your kids. And then I, I talk to some guys, they're at least dads. Like, don't, don't be this guy. Some people, though, they become at least dads. Like, well, at least I don't hit my kids the way my dad hit me. But then you fail to discipline them at all. Or, well, at least I'm here. My dad abandoned me. But then you're physically present but emotionally distant. Or at least I put food on the table. My dad was a deadbeat. Okay, well, the government can do that. A possum puts food on the table for his kids. Your kids need something more than that. They need what only you can provide. They need a father. Hear me on this. Don't be the dad who excuses his failures by comparing himself to a greater failure. And a lot of dads do that. You can't become a good dad by comparing yourself to a worse father. It happens by comparing yourself to a greater father. So you might not have had a good earthly dad, but if you're a follower of Jesus, then you're also a child of God and you have a good father. God is a good father. Amen. Let's give God praise for being a good father. We, we, can, cel we can celebrate that. Now, there are, there are some of you who might cringe, cringe just kind of hearing this idea that God is a father. Because we tend to view our heavenly father through the lens of our earthly dad. So if your earthly dad was missing or distant, you'll tend to see God as far off and detached. Some of you had dads who were impossible to please and strict and harsh. So you constantly feel like you're disappointing your heavenly father too. And you fear his wrath. Some of you, maybe your dad wasn't very affirming or loving to you. So you feel like you constantly have to earn God the father's love through good works. Or if your dad hurt you, you'll struggle to trust your father in heaven. I want you to 
understand this tonight, that God, your Father in heaven, is a good Father. How often do you address him as Father? Based on the example of Jesus, that's the main way we should address him. In fact, this is how Jesus referred to God more than any other title. He called him Father. That's a pretty significant thing because in the Old Testament, they, caught, they talked about God as Father 15 times. They, they said Father, but they always referred to him as Father to the nation of Israel. So God, the Father of Israel. Jesus comes on the scene and in just the Gospels, refers to him as Father 165 times. And he says, my father, not just to Israel, but to me. He's my father. And if you're a Christian, he's your father. Jesus is his son by nature. We're his children through adoption. Some people, they, they struggle to accept God, the father. They're happy to talk about the son. If they grew up charismatic, they're totally fine with the Holy Spirit. But they don't like to talk about God the Father. I know some Christians, they're all about Jesus. I just want to talk about Jesus. Jesus is my hero. I love how compassionate he was. I love how caring he was. I love how generous he was. I love how wise he was. And believe you me, I love Jesus too. Like he is the hero. Jesus is the man. But the reason some people want to only focus on, on Jesus is because they love the version of the story where the son is the hero and dad isn't even in the picture. Because that's their story too. But you need to understand that the main reason Jesus came was to reflect the Father's heart and demonstrate the Father's love to us. In John 10, Jesus said, It's at my Father's direction I have done many good works. Every good thing Jesus did was because the Father directed him to do it. And if you're wondering what God the Father is like, all you have to do is look at Jesus. Jesus physically demonstrated the Father's heart. In John 14, he said, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So if you love the compassion of Jesus, the commitment of Jesus, the generosity, the truthfulness, the justice, the unfailing love of Jesus, ultimately what you love is the Father's heart that Jesus came to mirror to us and reflect to us so that we could grasp who he is and what he is like. And if you've been wounded by your father and you haven't experienced healing, then maybe you've struggled to embrace God as father. Maybe you've let Jesus forgive you, but you haven't let the father heal you. And if you don't, you'll keep transferring that pain to the next generation. So to those of you who are dads or who will, be, who will be dads, it's a good moment to stop and ask this question. When my kids hear the term father, will they smile or will it cause them to struggle? And if you would say, hey, up until this point, I don't think I've done the best possible job that I could. Well, there's hope because now is the time that you can turn it around. And even if your kids are grown and they're out of the house, there's still time to be a good father to them. But you must be healed to be a healthy father. And what I'm going to do next is give you three steps to experience healing yourself. Okay, so I want you to be healed by the Father, but there are some things you have to do if you want to be healed. Do you want to be healed? Anyone? Not a trick question. Everyone wants to be healed, I think. Okay, so here's what you need to do first. You need to forgive your earthly father. However he may have failed you, whether he asked for forgiveness or not, you need to forgive him. Even if he's dead and gone, you need to forgive him. Maybe he was a good dad, but he just had some shortcomings and it's easy. Or maybe he was a terrible father, absent or abusive, and it's hard. But you still need to forgive him either way. In Matthew 6, Jesus said this. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your father will not forgive your sins. Sometimes I think there are Christians who haven't read this. Because I'll hear Christians talk about people who hurt them, and they'll say things like, I just don't know if I could forgive him. 
or I could never forgive him, or he doesn't deserve my forgiveness. And I want to be like, yeah, but don't you want to be forgiven? Well, yeah. Well, then (laughs) you've got to forgive other people too. And it might not be easy to do it, and you don't have to do it perfectly. Thank God we're saved by grace. You might struggle to forgive some people. You might not forgive them as quickly as you should. But you, you have to be willing to forgive. This is saying if you refuse to forgive others, then God will forgive you. And maybe forgiveness is a monumental task in your situation. I want you to, to rest assured you don't have to accomplish it on your own. Amen. You don't have to achieve forgiveness on your own. All you have to do is just crack open the door of your heart to the Holy Spirit and let him into that situation to do what only he can do. If you'll just crack open the door so that the Holy Spirit can come in, then he can do a forgiving, miraculous work inside you that you couldn't do on your own. But if you want to be healed, you've got to forgive your earthly father. A couple of notes on that. Remember this, it's not for his sake, it's for your sake. So forgiveness is not for him. He might not deserve it. He might not have asked for it. He might have been a terrible father. Maybe he was a good father, but it's not for him either way. It's for you ultimately so that you can be healed. And then also, I think it's important to be compassionate towards your father, regardless of how good or bad he did. Because very rarely will people stop to think about this. Think about what kind of father did your father have? Usually you don't even think about something like this till you become an adult. Like when I was in my 30s, one time I was thinking about my dad and, you know, there was some things where I was like, you know, he could have done better at that. He should have done better at this. But then it was like it hit me all of a sudden. He had pretty much a terrible dad. Like not consistent, not loving and affectionate, probably kind of harsh, did not set a godly example. And I never really even thought about that before. Like how, how was my dad hurt by his dad as a child? And yet he made a monumental leap forward in how he loved his kids. How is that possible? I'll tell you how. Jesus. It's a little hint. You need Jesus, and if you have Jesus, anything's possible. But, but man, I need to think about that, and you should think about that too. If it's, if it's hard for you to forgive, your dad had his own pain and trauma that maybe he never dealt with. It says in 2 Corinthians, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Here he is, the Father. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. Okay, so maybe you've got pain that your father caused you. I love this passage because it reminds you, you've got another father who's a merciful father. He'll comfort you. And watch, all those words are not in a sentence together by accident or coincidence. He's a merciful father who comforts you. And I think as you extend his mercy to the people who hurt you, you experience a greater portion of his comfort in your own life. You see that? He is a merciful father, but if you want to receive his mercy, you've also got to give it away to those who've hurt you. So whether, listen, whether you've had a completely broken relationship with your father, a deep wound, whether he's alive or not, in the picture or gone, today is your day to forgive your father. Not tomorrow, tonight. It's time. It's time to forgive. You need to forgive your father on earth so that you can reflect your father in heaven. Okay, here's the next thing. I want you to be healed so that you can be a healthy father. If you're going to do that, you need to receive the perfect love of your heavenly father. Okay, so you need to receive from God the perfect love that your earthly dad was never going to be able to give you. Think about this, why God created men and women to multiply the way that we do. Why did God set it up so that kids would have, you know, parents who come together and multiply and have babies? He didn't have to do it that way. We could have just hatched out of eggs that dropped from the sky. That would have been weird and way less fun. 
but you got a mom, you got a dad. Why? Why is it, right? Here's why God designed it this way. Because your earthly parents are meant to illustrate the nature of God to you. (laughs) That doesn't always happen in a good way. Uh, But they're meant to illustrate God's nature to you. So when you learn as a child to obey your parents, it trains you to obey God as you grow into adulthood. Um, As you experience, hopefully, the love of your parents as a child, it teaches you how to understand the love of God as an adult. And so your parents are meant to be an illustration but they were never going to love you perfectly because they're also sinners. They need their own savior. They were always going to come up short and fail you. Like, like I fail my kids and you'll fail your kids. So when you think about your own parents' failures, that can either send you spiraling or it can cause you to start seek, seeking elsewhere the love that you longed for but never got. You might, you might cry out, like, like, what does this mean? My own dad didn't love me perfectly. Is there anyone out there who will? My own dad didn't keep his promises and come through for me. Is there anyone out there I can trust? My own dad didn't accept me and make me feel wanted. Is there anyone out there who will just love me the way I am? My own dad abandoned me to fend for myself. Is there anyone who will just stick by me? And I need you to understand this. The answer is yes. You have a heavenly father. He is a good father. He has adopted you as his own and given you the full rights of sonship. He loves you unconditionally. He never lets you down. He always comes through. He will never fail you. He stays by your side. He's a good father. You have a greater father in heaven. It says in Psalm 27, even if my father and mother abandon me, the Lord will hold me close. I love that verse. So God was always going to be the one who came through for you. It says in Psalm 68, he's a father to the fatherless. So you think, well, I don't even have an inkling of what a good father is supposed to look like. Well, God tells you in his word what he's like. He says again and again what he's like. He says he's chosen you and he actually wants you. He's always with you. He never leaves you. He never forsakes you. He provides for all your needs, the needs you have, the needs you don't even know you have. He's your provider. He will protect you and defend you from the schemes and attacks of the enemy. He guides you. He teaches you. He instructs you and disciplines you, but with patience and tenderness. He delights in you because he created you, and he verbalizes his affection for you. It says he sings songs over you. He likes you so much, he just can't even hold it in. He keeps every promise he's ever made. He's always on time. He gives good gifts. He loves you with an unfailing, unconditional love that will never run out regardless of what you do. He's a good father. And listen, receiving his love is the key to being a good father or mother yourself because you can't give your kids what you don't have. So you've got to receive God's perfect love so that you can start to reflect it to your children, which is actually part of the healing process. This is the next thing. If you want to be healed so you can have a healthy relationship with your kids as a father, as a mother, you need to reflect the love of the Father in heaven to your children. It's actually in the process of doing it that you experience it. You're not healed until you actually live healthy. So when you think about in scripture, Jesus would heal people often, and you see this happen where he would immediately command them to take action. So for example, he healed a paralyzed man, and he said, pick up your mat and walk. And it's as the man got up and walked that he experienced his own healing. You see this? Maybe you were hurt by your earthly father. It's as you become a loving father and reflect God the Father's love to your kids that you start to experience your own transformation. You see it yourself and you actually start to believe that that generational pattern of pain has been disrupted by God's grace. You got to live it out. And reflect the Father's love to your kids. And we're going to talk 
a lot more about that next week, like what things to do, what things to watch out for. It'll be really practical. It'll be a lot more cheery and light and fun than this sermon. Uh, but this is still an important subject. It's a very important subject. And because we are talking this week about how fathers fail their children, we need to acknowledge this, that it will continue to happen. Okay? So you could be the world's best dad, and you'll still fail your kids. You could come out of here a changed man and fully devoted to God, and you'll still let your kids down. On one hand, just knowing that, Take some pressure off. Because it's actually a part of your kids' discipleship process. You failing your kids is a vital part of their discipleship process. What do I mean by that? Well, one of the most important parts of fathering your kids is modeling repentance and confession of sin to them. So when you fail your kids... It's the prime opportunity to give them the example of what it looks like to acknowledge you've made a mistake and confess your sins and ask for forgiveness. Like, yeah, I'm actually talking about asking your kids for forgiveness. That's wild, isn't it? Like, that means you actually go to them and you say, uh, son, uh, daddy was wrong for raising his voice at you. I'm sorry I did that. I love you. Please forgive me. Do you forgive me? You actually do that for your kids. You go, to your, you go, sweetie, I'm sorry I wasn't there. I know I told you I would be there. I feel so bad. I regret it. Um, please forgive me. I love you so much. Will you forgive me? And your kids actually look at you and they go, I forgive you. Or maybe not. Maybe they say, no, like, I don't know. But, <laughs> but you did your part. <laughs> See, a lot of parents don't do this. When they sin against their kids, they blame the kid. Well, I yelled at him because he was being crazy. This is your fault. It's, if you wouldn't have been so, I wouldn't have done what I did. Or they just brush it under the rug. They just all go their separate ways and cool off. And then they go on with life like nothing ever happened. Like some of you grew up in a family where nobody ever apologized to anyone. And some of you, your household's like that still today. When you fight, when you let each other down, when you say things, you never apologize and say you're sorry and ask for forgiveness. You just go off and cool off and then you go back together and act like nothing ever happened and you wonder why there's tension in the relationship. Because you haven't confessed your sin, which is necessary to receive healing. It says in Proverbs 28, whoever conceals their sins does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. You want to know how to keep your kids from resenting you when they grow up? Confess your sins to them and receive mercy. Some of you are like, well, I don't know if I could do that. <laughs> I don't know if I could admit my mistakes to my kids. Because you know, let's be honest, it's embarrassing. It hurts your pride. But listen, you can have your pride or you can have a healthy relationship with your kids. It's up to you. You can humble yourself and admit when you're wrong, or you can be humbled by your kids when someday they point out the ways you were wrong, which is a lot more painful. Your kids will actually respect you more for acknowledging your mistakes. They'll trust you more when you admit you were wrong. And here's the more important part, by confessing and modeling that and asking for forgiveness to your kids, you're teaching them how to live in the grace of God. Because you're showing them, hey, like even when we wrong each other, I can confess, I can ask for forgiveness, you forgive me, and the relationship is restored. We still love each other. We continue on together as family. It doesn't change the way we love each other. You know, that teaches them, it teaches them that they can come to you with their mistakes and that you'll forgive them and continue to love them. Why do you think so many kids hide stuff from their parents? Because they never learned that it's okay to make mistakes in a family. You'll receive forgiveness and experience mercy. And as they see it modeled through you, they learn that they don't have to hide from God when they make mistakes like Adam did in the garden. They can go to God and they can confess their sins and they can receive grace and be free from shame. 
It says in James 5, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Right? We confess our sin to God to receive forgiveness, but we confess our sins to each other to receive healing. And when you wrong someone in your home and you confess to them and you ask for forgiveness, it brings healing to the relationship. It brings you closer together and you have a healthier relationship. It's by confessing our sins to God, our relationship to God is restored. And I feel like tonight the Lord was just speaking to me that there are people here in the room tonight who've never confessed their sins to God and received forgiveness, never been accepted into God's family. You've never let Jesus be your savior, forgive your sins. You've never made him the Lord of your life. And this could be your night to do that. This this is your night to do that. And you can do it right now. You can just, in your own heart, tell God you need him to save you and forgive you. You can confess that you've sinned against him. You can put your trust in Jesus to save you. And you do that by, by believing that he is the son of God. He died on the cross for your sins and that he rose again. And if you believe that in your heart, you will be saved. Amen. It's not because of what you do. It's because of what Jesus did on your behalf. And you receive salvation by grace through faith in Jesus. And some of you, you need to do that tonight after service. You'll have an opportunity to stop at the back and get a Bible and we'll pray with you. But for the rest of the church, I want to give you some follow-up next steps to this sermon. I got some really practical next steps for this series. Uh, and tonight especially, here's, here's this tonight. Uh, what now? First, forgive your earthly father. Okay, you heard me preaching about it. Now it's time for you to actually do it. You just decide in your heart, I'm going to forgive. I'm willing to forgive. Uh, It might not happen instantaneously. You might not feel it fully, but you just crack that door open and you say, okay, God, I'm willing to forgive. You're gonna have to do the hard part, but I'm willing to forgive. It's time. Here's the next thing. Uh, If necessary, ask your children to forgive you. It's probably necessary. Or it will be soon hereafter. (laughs) Maybe your kids are grown and you need to go to them and apologize for never having apologized while they were growing up. And you would not believe how much healing that would bring in your relationship to them. If you would just go and say, hey, I'm sorry for the ways I failed you. They'll be so quick to give mercy Whenever you, whenever you admit your mistakes and you ask for forgiveness, um, God, he extends mercy, and people are inclined to extend mercy to us as well. So do that for your kids. Here's the third thing. I want to encourage you to bless your father. Regardless of how good or bad he did, you can still be a blessing to him. And it says uh, in the Bible to honor your father and mother and you will live a long life. This is the first command with a promise. This is one of the 10 commandments, to honor your father and mother. So even if you had a bad father, you can still respect them because you respect the position they hold in your life. And you can bless them. Uh, And here's how I want you to do that. I would ask you to do this if you can. I read about this idea in John Tyson's book, The Intentional Father. I wish I would have heard this idea sooner before my dad died so that I could have done it for him. But if your dad's still alive, I would encourage you to do it while you still can. Write your dad a letter and just tell him everything he did right. Tell him thanks for being my dad. Thank him. You did this right and you did this right. And when you spent time with me, it made so much of a difference to me. And you said this to me one time and you did this right. And I appreciate this about you and bless your father. Every dad is asking himself, am I doing a good job? And, And a lot of times we'll point out their mistakes, but we never thank them and acknowledge what they did right. And then I would encourage you forth to bless your children. Whether they're adults or young, you can bless them, especially if you're a father. I think there's something supernatural and powerful about the blessing of a father. So you can bless them through your actions, by loving them and being faithful, and then you can bless them by your words. You can put your hands on them, and you can pray for them, and you can thank God for them, and you can declare, my son is a mighty man of God. You can speak to the good things in him, and you can speak to the future God has for him. You can affirm your daughter as a woman of God, that you love her and accept her, and that you are proud of her. And I guarantee if you do that, she'll be a lot less likely to go looking for affirmation from some other man. 
Even if your kids are grown, just say, hey, son, can I bless you? Your kid will be like, what? It's just a thing we're doing at church. They'll still appreciate it. And then lastly, I would uh, encourage you to receive the Father's blessing. And so I would, I would do this at this point. Would you all just stand with me um, for a moment as we close out this service? And what I would want to do is bless you on behalf of God the Father. And I think this is important because there are some of you who maybe you don't have a good dad. Maybe he's not in the picture. Maybe he's dead. Uh, Maybe he's gone. Uh, Maybe you know he doesn't love the Lord and he would never do this for you. He would never be able to bless you the way I just described about or talked about. So I think this is important. You can be blessed by a greater father and receive a greater blessing from him. And I know I'm not your father. I know that. Some of you, I'm not even old enough to be your son. Uh, But if I could just step in on God's behalf and speak a blessing over you, I know it's what God would say because he's already said it in his word. So if you, if you would, can I just declare this over you? And I would just invite you to close your eyes, bow your head. Maybe you want to open your arms up and just a posture of receiving, but just receive this from the Lord. God says, you are my child and I love you dearly. Before you were even formed in your mother's womb, I knew you, I chose you, and I called you to be with me and belong. All the days of your life, you will walk with your father and know his love. Your feet will not stumble and your heart will not wander. Everywhere you go, you will experience the favor of the Lord. He will go before you and walk behind you. You will never be alone. You are victorious and not defeated. You are more than a conqueror and never overcome. If you walk in my ways and obey my word, you will always be blessed beyond measure. You will be the head and not the tail. You will be at the top and not the bottom. You are favored, not forsaken. You are loved and you are loved with a love that cannot be shaken. You will always be who I say you are. You're favored, you're forgiven, you're free. God says, you are my child, you're my son, you're my daughter, with whom I am well pleased. Amen, amen. Thank you, God. We worship you, God. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace. We recognize that you are a good father. You have been good to us. You are faithful to us. And we receive your blessing tonight. In Jesus' name.